0: Uh, what is the cost to follow Jesus, nothing, and everything. I'll explain that a little bit more later. You know, it's hard to believe that we're already at the end of another school year. How many of you parents think it's really hard to believe that you're at the end of another school year? Um, Time keeps moving. It just seems at a faster pace than than it's ever moved before, at least it does to me. But, you know, with the end of the school year, I, I was thinking about this uh, a couple of weeks ago, particularly for, for high school and junior college graduates. Uh, they begin thinking about where to make, they, they begin to make choices, I guess I should say, about where to continue uh, their education. And if they haven't already, Probably they're going to be in the process of, of making application to, to four-year colleges and universities. And uh, I'm sure that they would agree with what I'm getting ready to say. The college application process can be a very challenging experience. Um, it's amazing how many colleges and universities there are out there. Uh, some of them... I'm sure you've never heard of. As I fa- have found out, that I've never heard of some of them, uh, but uh, they're all seeking. All of these colleges and universities, they're seeking to have the best and the brightest come to their places of, of higher learning. Um, each institution uh, seems to seems to look for the quality and. Among those who have graduated from high school and junior college. Uh, And not everyone is able to get into just whatever school they want. Um, Some have very high standards for allowing a student to attend there. Some, uh, for example, require that students have a a high rank in their graduating class from their high school. Uh, Some require a certain grade point average in order to gain entrance. Um, some require a, a minimum score on the standardized tests that's required for for students to go to college. And there are, I, I found out that there are even some colleges and universities that require that their students have a life outside of just the classroom. Um, and, and I kind of understand that because... They want people attending their universities who are going to be able to represent their school well after they graduate. Now, having said that, what I'm saying, I guess, is they want students who will not one day give their school a bad name. And it's amazing that, although this sounds kind of new in terms of these requirements, the fact of the matter is that the same thing went on during the time of Jesus. There were places of higher learning that placed very strict requirements upon those whom they would teach. Um, There were schools of individual rabbis and learned young men would would seek out these, these individual rabbis to, to study under and to become disciples of this particular rabbi or become followers of this particular rabbi. Scripture would tell us that the Apostle Paul, who was, who was known as Saul from Tarsus at the time, studied under the rabbi whose name was Gamaliel. You'll find in Acts chapter 22, verse number 3, uh, Paul says, I was brought up and educated here in Jerusalem under Gamaliel. And as his student, I was carefully trained in, in Jewish laws and, and customs. Now, these Jewish rabbis and, and teachers, they would typically not just take anyone to study under them. Who they allowed to study under them would reflect upon them. So they would would test these potential students to make sure that they were desirous of learning and having the capacity to learn whatever was taught to them. They would make sure, first of all, that they weren't sinners. Uh, They wanted righteous men. At least in terms of what they we talked about last week following the rules they wanted they wanted to make sure that those whom they taught were were following the law of Moses doing the things that were required and if these students would meet that criteria then they would allow them to study under them now once you were allowed to study under one of these rabbis then you would be known as their disciple Or their follower. Now we see in the New Testament that many teachers had disciples or followers just a chapter back a couple of chapters back from where i told you to turn to earlier in mark chapter number 2 verse number 18 people were wondering about the practice of fasting for example and it says once when john's disciples that is john the baptist once when john's disciples and the pharisees were fasting some people came to jesus and asked why don't your disciples why don't those who are following you fast like John's disciples and the Pharisees do. So when we hear stuff like that, we, we are able to ascertain that, we, that both John the Baptist, the Pharisees, all had disciples or followers. The disciples of these men would follow them and be with them wherever they went. And not only did they have these, these disciples, but we know that our Lord Jesus had disciples. Twelve, in fact. Whom he specifically called to follow him and be his followers. The very last thing that Jesus told his followers that were with him while he was still on this earth. Was to do something. Any of you remember what it was? To go and make more disciples. We call it the great commission. Make more people who would follow Jesus Matthew 28:19 go and make disciples of all the nations. Now Jesus is still calling people to be his followers. And the question I want to, want you to consider this morning is this. Are you a follower of Jesus or are you a fan sitting on the sidelines? Very, very important question. I want us to consider this morning who Jesus is calling to follow him and what the specifics of that call are. Now again, you heard me say it earlier, who can be Jesus' follower? Anyone. But we know that not everyone was invited to be a follower of those other teachers. So who did Jesus desire to be his followers? Well, Scripture tells us that Jesus' commission to those who were his followers was to go and make more disciples or followers. In other words, Jesus was, his desire was to make followers of anyone and everyone. When he says, go and make disciples of all nations, Jesus is desirous that everyone, everywhere become his followers. Now let me explain something about the teachers of Jesus' day. Most of those teachers didn't have what we would call a classroom setting. You know, they didn't have; they weren't up at the front of a classroom somewhere with students sitting in the desk, uh, much like the way we are accustomed to to being schooled. No, the way that it worked in Jesus' time was the teacher. or or the one that was being followed, would quite often, for example, lead those who were following him through an olive grove or a vineyard of grapes. And as he was leading them, he would be giving these teachings and they would be passed on to those who were quite literally following him through the olive grove or the vineyard. And and that information would be passed back from follower to follower to follower to follower. That's the way that they taught. And, And so, with that understanding, those who followed Jesus followed Him as a result of having a relationship with Him, a relationship in which they were going to gain the life that he wanted for them just by following. He was going to change and transform their life just as a result of their desire to follow him. And the same can be said for everyone who follows Jesus today. I mentioned it in my prayer a while ago. Jesus' desire is that we have life... And that we have life more abundantly. In other words, the life that he wants to convey to us is a life that not just affects this life, but will affect the eternal life to come. Now, how many of you believe that when you die as a follower of Jesus, you're going to spend forever with Jesus? That's a blessing, isn't it? I mean, it really beats the alternative, right? So the life that Jesus is conveying to those who have agreed to be his followers is a life that will never end, and not only just a life that will never end, but a life that's going to get better than what we have now. And that's all as a result of following. Paul says in Romans chapter 10, Verses 11 through 13, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Thank God for that. Anyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So, there it is again. Anyone can be a follower. And this is the one of the things that was so unique about Jesus when he was calling his disciples, and just hang on, i 'm still coming to mark chapter number eight, okay? Just stay there. The ones that Jesus called to follow him, they were not like those who were following other rabbis. Without being offensive, I, I, let me just say, they were not the elite of Israel. They were tax collectors. They were, they were common, ordinary men. Fishermen. They didn't have great family backgrounds. They, they didn't have a great deal of training. While the other rabbis wanted men of knowledge and great potential, Jesus' disciples were the undeserving Those who were visibly unrighteous like Matthew, the tax collector, was. They were, they were ordinary people like Peter and James and John, fishermen, working class, white collar, blue collar guys. So Jesus was different in that respect. But listen to what the rulers and the elders, those men who were choosing the best and the brightest to be their disciples, listen to what they said about Peter and John after Jesus had risen from the dead and had already ascended back to heaven. Peter and John were out there boldly teaching in the power of the Spirit and proclaiming the truth about Jesus. And it tells us that the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. For they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the Scriptures, and they recognized them as men who had followed Jesus. Ordinary men, unschooled, uneducated. They were the ones that Jesus called to be his followers and disciples. But when the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter number 2, These same unlearned men became bold proclaimers of everything that Jesus had taught them and of his death and his resurrection from the dead. They were empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. Let me just stop and say at this point, maybe you're sitting here this morning thinking that you're unworthy of being a follower of Jesus. Well, you are. You are unworthy. All of us are. But the fact is, Jesus has called us to follow him anyway. He doesn't use the same kind of qualifications that other rabbis used, other teachers. And as we become a follower of Jesus, something happens. He changes us. And the reason I mention this is you may you may think you may be here this morning and you think that that you 've done too many wrong things in your past for the Lord to forgive you. You haven't. He is able to make the vilest sinner clean. aren't you glad for that this morning? Now, there's no one who has ever failed so miserably. That Jesus could not possibly care about them and care for them and have the ability to save them. He cares about us. He has the ability to save, as, as Jacob led us this morning. He's mighty to save. Now, you may even think that your life right now is so unchristlike that you have little hope of ever seeing yourself change. That's not true. There is hope. And that hope is found in the one that we follow. His name is Jesus. You know, one of the blessings of having worked in prison ministry for many, many years was seeing Jesus change some of the most unbelievable people that you would have ever thought could change. Seeing Jesus change drug addicts. Uh, seeing Jesus change murderers, thieves, robbers, e- even the most e- even the most disgusting among them, the child molesters. Seeing Jesus touch them and change their lives. I mean, it, it's it's amazing, and and you can't attribute that to a program. You can't attribute that to a medical cure. It can only be attributed to Jesus. Changing from the inside out. Forgiving their past. Giving them hope for a glorious future. Only Jesus can do that. Now, if you don't believe that, just ask this guy named Matthew, the tax collector. Jesus changed him. Ask Peter and John, their working class, ordinary, unschooled men whom Christ changed and used in extraordinary ways. Probably the number one, ask Paul, formerly Saul of Tarsus. You know what he did for a living before he became Paul the evangelist? He consented to the murder and arrest of Christians. Jesus changed him to become the greatest missionary of all time so ask anyone here this morning that used to be unworthy who used to be a failure in the eyes of everyone who perhaps is the most un-christ-like person in liberal kansas there is hope there is hope that your life can be changed and transformed into one that will glorify the one whom you follow jesus christ there's hope for anyone who becomes a follower right Okay, so anyone is welcome, but what's the cost? What's the cost to be a follower of Jesus? What does it cost to be his follower? First of all, it costs nothing because it's free. It's free of cost to you and I and in the sense that we can't... I say that in the sense that we can't do anything to pay for it or to earn it. Jesus paid the cost by giving his life for us and giving to us grace that which we have never deserved. By His grace, He has saved us. By His grace, He's changing us. Jesus says in Revelation uh, 21, verse number 6, It is finished. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. Just a chapter later in Revelation twenty two seventeen, 17. He says, let anyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who desires drink freely from this water of life. So it's free to any who would come and follow. And it's available to anyone. Now, let me go back to my college analogy for a moment. This is, this offer that Jesus makes to every one of us to be his follower. It's like being accepted into the most awesome, reputable university on the earth. Doesn't matter what your grades are. Doesn't matter what your test scores were. Doesn't matter about your family background. And this university still offers you a full scholarship to attend. Now how awesome would that be? But that brings me to this question If it's open to anyone And everyone And it costs nothing Why in the world Is not everyone Following Jesus How many of you like free You've seen the commercial on TV Press the free button We like free. Do you realize that the greatest gift ever given to man is available to every one of us? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's what he's making available to everyone. And that brings me, at long last, to Mark chapter number 8. I said it costs nothing to follow Jesus, but at the same time, it costs everything to follow Jesus. Look what Jesus says to his followers in verse number 34. He says, then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said... If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. He goes on to say, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. And then he adds this on. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? So while there's nothing you can do and nothing we can pay, do to pay for the salvation of our soul... We cannot save ourselves. If we aren't followers of Jesus, we're not going to be saved. But in order to follow him, we have to follow him wherever that may lead. Now, (laughs) again, that's like being accepted into a certain college, getting a full ride scholarship, but you don't go. You have to go to that university if you're going to realize the benefits of being accepted and being offered that full-ride scholarship. So even, let's just pretend, even though you've been accepted by a college or university and everything is paid for you to go, you have to leave where you are in order to go there, right? Right? You have to leave where you are to go there. You can't stay at home and go to college at the same time. You know, you couldn't, you couldn't graduate from Harvard. I'll just throw Harvard out there. If you never went there. Well, duh. Even if you've been accepted by Harvard and given a full-ride scholarship... You can't graduate unless you go. And the same is true with being a follower of Jesus. You cannot gain the benefits of following Jesus if you don't follow. Now that may seem like a rather ordinary statement. But I'm just telling you, friends, you can't be a follower of Jesus without following. And that means doing what he tells you to do as he teaches you. And passing it on to those who follow in order that they too can be his followers. So it's free to follow Jesus. But the following itself, as he told us in Mark chapter number 8, is costly. Because following Jesus means denying yourself. And that means not going your own way. Following Jesus can even mean things like persecution. The Apostle Paul told his student Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse number 12, he says, yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Well, that makes you want to follow, doesn't it? Following Jesus can also mean hardship. Again, Paul to his student Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, 3. Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Can I just say it this way? Following Jesus is not a vacation. I heard someone years ago say that people think becoming a Christian is like boarding a cruise ship. Let me just tell you, it's more like boarding a battleship. Because you're going to be attacked. And you will need to have on the full armor of God that Paul describes in Ephesians chapter number 6 in order to be able to stand up under the attacks that you are going to face because you are a follower of Jesus. And can I just say to you, There is no period in history where what I just said is more applicable than right now. Christianity is under attack. Everyone who follows Jesus is is being labeled as intolerant, bigoted, and closed-minded. Now, none of us like to be called any of those things, but we... We are being called those things because we follow Jesus. It's called persecution. Nobody likes to go through that. But it is a part of the cost of following Jesus. It's going to cost you everything. It may even cost you your life. I can tell you this. It will cost you the life you dreamed about when you decided to become a follower of Jesus. Jesus. But I will also tell you this. Whatever life you dreamed about. The dream that you had in your head. As a result of following Jesus. It's not going to be anything like the reality of following Jesus. I said it last week. I'll say it again. It's going to be worth it all when we see Jesus. When we stand in his presence. In the place that he has prepared for us. Everything that we've had to endure in this life is going to seem insignificant and meaningless in light of his glory and in light of his grace. It will. The, the dream of the life in your head is like looking, I think, at one of those, those huge chocolate Easter bunnies that you see on Walmart shelves every Easter season. You, you see it, and if you like chocolate, which I don't, But if you see it and your mouth begins to water for it and so you buy it and you bite into it and you find out it's hollow. I kind of liken it to that. The life you dream about may look good on the outside, but I can tell you it's going to be hollow without Jesus. You may dream of riches. But if and when you get them, you're going to find that they aren't what they thought, what you thought they were going to be. I wrote in one of the chapters in my book, when talking about success, the results of a survey that I saw back in 1998 when I wrote the book. It said that 85% of lottery winners eventually have nothing left and their life is nothing like it used to be. Because they've lost friends, they've lost family, and many of them you will hear say, I wish I'd never won. It was the worst thing that ever happened to me. Now, I know some of you are just like me saying, oh, Lord, just bless me with that. (laughs) Well, it may not be all it's cracked up to be. Because Jesus said there in Mark chapter number 8, you can gain the whole world. But if you lose your soul, it's meaningless. How many of you have ever seen a hearse pulling a trailer? There's a reason. (laughs) I knew somebody was going to raise their hand. You can't take what this world has given you with you. But you can take what Jesus gives you and it'll last forever. Nothing can corrupt it. Nothing can decay it. If you don't believe me, ask people who have attained great amounts of wealth only to find that they never have enough. John Rockefeller, the oil magnate who founded the Standard Oil Company, the forerunner of ExxonMobil, the richest American in the early 1900s, he amassed a wealth, now think about this, in the early 1900s, he amassed a wealth of a billion dollars back in 1916. He was famously asked by a reporter, how much money is enough, Mr. Rockefeller? And the billionaire, who at that time had more money than anyone else in the world, answered this way, one more dollar. How much is enough? One more dollar. Pursuing more and more and more yeah, following Jesus may cost you finance, financially if finances are where you have put your hope. But Jesus said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but loses his soul? Following Jesus is going to cost you in the areas that you've treasured, areas that you've sought after, instead of seeking and following him. How many of you figured out by now that life doesn't last long? I'm figuring that out more every day. All right, let me just say to these graduates that we are honoring today. I'm guessing that probably you, like myself, again a hundred years ago. It seemed like it took me forever to turn 18. How, come on. How many of you? It seemed like 18 was forever. And since that time... It's just flown by. I mean, you look at someone who looks as young and healthy as I do. And to think that I'm 39 years old. It's just... (laughs) It's unbelievable. That's right. Thank you. It is unbelievable. (laughs) We need to realize the brevity of life and not live as if this life is all that there is. Uh, We we need to realize that there is this thing called eternity that's going to be beyond compare to any suffering or sacrifice that we have to endure in this life. And we can follow and follow well if our eyes are on Jesus and following where He leads We can follow well when we know the assurance of the inheritance that we have as being a joint heir with Jesus and an heir of God. The writer to Hebrews, that great hall of faith chapter in Hebrews chapter number 11, talks about Moses. If you'll remember Moses when he was a baby... All, all the babies in Israel that were being born were to be killed by Pharaoh. So Moses' mother took him and hid him in a basket and put him in the Nile River. And, and while he was in that basket hiding from Pharaoh, wouldn't you know, Pharaoh's daughter finds him. And she takes that little baby and raises him up in the house of Pharaoh. All the riches available to him. But the writer of Hebrews tells us in verse number 26 that Moses thought that it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt. Why? Because he was looking ahead to his great reward. He knew that it was better to follow Jesus, or follow God at least in the Old Testament. Following Christ will cost you your life as you know it in this world. But we have a good shepherd who is leading us. And he's leading us into an inheritance in eternity that the Apostle Peter describes in 2 Peter chapter, or 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 4, as a priceless inheritance, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. I'm looking forward to heaven, amen? Following is available to anyone including every one of us, and it costs you nothing to follow, but the following itself will cost you everything. So having said all of that, are you a follower, or are you just a fan? As a fan, you can sit on the sidelines, and you can cheer and like what you see and hear, but the offer that Jesus is making is to come down and get on the field and get in the game. You can rest assured that if you make a decision to get in the game, you're going to get beat up quite a bit. There's going to be some hurt involved. But unlike any other game that was played today, the outcome of our getting involved and getting in the game is Jesus has already determined and guaranteed the outcome. We win we win the other side of that is that the outcome for those who refuse to follow jesus is an eternity in hell and along with the punishment which i believe to be a very literal punishment of hell is the total and forever separation from god and his mercy Wow. Can you imagine? An eternity in heaven is where the path of following Jesus leads. Every other path leads to an eternity in hell. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 verse number 13, the highway to hell is and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way, but the gateway to life is narrow, very narrow, and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. So to get on the narrow road that Jesus is leading his people on, you have to receive him as your savior. You have to put your belief in him as your Lord, that he was God in the flesh who died for us and who rose from the dead. And the good news is, and the last part of this, is not only can anyone follow, and it's going to cost you, it's not going to cost you anything to follow, but the cost of following is going to cost you everything. The best news is you can make that decision today. You don't have to clean yourself up. You don't have to make yourself presentable to God. You just have to exercise faith. He'll do the cleaning, He'll do the changing, He'll do the transforming. And the way that you do that is really very simple. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 10, verse number 9 if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Think about that. How easy is that? It's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer, but it's, it requires faith. I used to have some of those boneheads in prison call it fire insurance. Let me tell you what, it's a whole lot more than fire insurance. <laughs> I have never given up anything in this life that following Jesus didn't more than replace with something better. How many of you would agree with that this morning? With your heads bowed, your eyes closed, worship team, would you come please? You can't circumvent that first step. And again, that first step is confessing with your mouth believing in your heart confessing that Jesus is Lord and believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead you 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 can't you can't go to step 3 without having steps 1 and 2 and this morning Jesus is drawing people who are not yet followers he's drawing you to himself and his desire is that you Follow him and make that decision today. Holy Spirit of God, thank you for your ability to draw us. Lord, I can't imagine anyone refusing an offer such as the one that you are giving to anyone who would want to be your follower. Lord, when I look at this life as brief as it is, it is and as fast as it's going. To then hear your promise. That when we breathe the last breath of this life. We're going to begin a life that spins forever with you. In a place that you have prepared for us. And all it costs is to confess that you are Lord and to believe that God raised you from the dead. I can't imagine anyone refusing such a great offer. But yet, Lord, you tell us in your word that many do reject that offer because it's just too easy. And the easiness of it becomes a stumbling block. Even to many who believe, they get this idea in their head that they have to they have to clean themselves up and make themselves worthy in order to follow you or or they believe that they have to follow all the the rules that some churches have imposed upon those who attend that they have to have to wear the suit and tie they have to wear a dress they have to they have to read it a certain translation of your word they have to do this they have to do that and that becomes too great a cost for them to commit themselves to following you And yet, Lord, your word still stands true. It's not by following the rules. It's by professing faith in you. And, Lord, we do that with that profession of our mouth and that belief in our heart. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Please, no one looking around. Be respectful of everyone else. Just a moment, I'm going to ask for you, for those of you who want to become Jesus' follower who may not have made that decision yet, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. But before I do that, I, I, I just, I, I, I can't stress this enough. All it takes is a confession from your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And a belief in your heart That God raised Jesus who died on the cross for your sins. God raised him from the dead. And if you do those two things, the promise of God's word is you will be saved. So now the question. Either you haven't made the decision to be a follower of Jesus or perhaps you used to be a follower of Jesus. But you got distracted along the way and fell off the path. I want you to just raise your hand this morning if you want to follow Jesus. I see that hand. Thank you. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Thank you. Would you stand with me, please, everyone? For those hands that were raised this morning, I'm going to make this as easy as I possibly can. <laughs> the, the Bible didn't say that you have to come up to the front of the church and make this de- declaration that you want to be a follower. It says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you'll be saved. And I know, I know, Jesus said, "You, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before the Father. And so we, we openly profess that we are followers of Jesus. But again, you can't circumvent the, first two, pro- the t- first two steps in the process. I believe that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart today, you're going to be saved and that the day will come Maybe today, maybe maybe tomorrow, but as the Lord begins to grow you and change you and transform you, it will become no problem whatsoever for you to say, I am a follower of Jesus. You who raised your hands, pray with me this morning. Dear Jesus, I'm unworthy to follow you. I've been a sinner. I confess my sins to you, and I want to receive the forgiveness that the shedding of your blood provided for me as you hung on that cross. And Lord, even though that sin killed you while hanging on that cross, three days later, you were raised from the dead. And I believe that to the core of my being. From this day forward, forgive me and save me today, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's sing it. I'll never know. I'll never know.